welcome back to me in this shirt. Um, so the, the, the recordings of the, uh, of the worship uh, tunes that, that Brian and Rob and I did, uh, we did on Tuesday night, and I just wanted to say thank you to, to Brian and, and to Rob for, for coming out and recording those, uh, those tunes. Um, so we're continuing uh, this evening in our series, An Inheritance of Freedom. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to look at a story that is crucial, that is critical, that is just um, uh, so important to understanding the, um, the Good Friday uh, narrative of the crucifixion, of the Christ event in general. So, Exodus 14. Israel couldn't believe it. They had finally left Egypt. They were on the run with a, a life of slavery behind them, hoping against hope that, that there would be freedom for them for the first time in 400 years. It had been so long, there had been so many generations that had come before, that it appeared that no one alive remembered anything else but bondage. Freedom felt like it, it wasn't as much a, a bold desire as an unattainable fantasy. You know, we're not really going to be set free, right? Pharaoh's just going to come back and he's going to get us again, right? Is any of this freedom talk real? Or, or assuming we leave, right? Okay, let's assume we leave and get out of here. What, what's really in store for us? The wilderness? This Moses guy says something about land and milk and honey, but, but how can we even trust him? See, there was a concern that if Israel saw the realities of war that were active in the northern region, that they would turn back and, and go back to Egypt. You know, it's, it's easy to turn back to the, the devil you know rather than to move forward into the unknown, especially when the stakes are just so high. A massive, mixed multitude of people now moved out of Egypt and into the wilderness. So, so to avoid war, they were taken a, a different way, a, a southern way that, would, that required that they move toward the Red Sea. God tells Moses that Pharaoh's heart will be hardened and he'll realize what he's done and that the Egyptians are going to pursue them. But he assures Moses that he will, quote, get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So, before we go any further, allow me to ask for, for just a moment for you to bring to heart, bring to mind, anything that you have personally felt in bondage to. I mean, what is it that has had a hold on you? What is it that you've been trying to break free from, but, but it just keeps pursuing you? Is it an addiction? Is it a financial situation? Or maybe it's something that you'd allow to sit on the throne of your life for far too long, an, an idol, a career, a relationship, your kids, your home, your car, your politics. Is it greed? 
Is it envy? Is it lust? Hate? Racism? Sexism? Cynicism? Maybe you're just the person who needs to be right all the time. Jesus said in the book of John, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. We like to lie to ourselves and say that our sin is just minor but common flaws in our character and that God will ultimately look the other way because, you know, nobody's perfect, right? Our assumption is that sin is business as usual. But the story of Exodus, the story of Good Friday, is anything about, uh, than about business as usual. So tonight, I challenge us to go inward, to name those things that have been pursuing us, and to hear the truth from our loving God that he will get glory over it, because he is the Lord, he is Yahweh, he is the great I am. So Israel's on the run, right? And, and they know that Pharaoh is chasing them down. Pharaoh had climbed on his chariot and led an army out to recover the lost Israelites. Because remember, God isn't the only one who is out to recover the lost. Pharaoh is, is chasing after them with his army. He took 600 of his choice chariots and used his elite generals to help lead the way. This image of, of a massive war machine of soldiers riding fast towards Israel who was traveling on foot with, with women and children and the elderly is, is one that would make anyone shudder in fear. But that was their past that was chasing them, right? It was the lie that they were formed by, the lie that said that the only thing they ever knew was a life of slavery and that they would never be anything more than slaves. They weren't God's people. They were slaves. They weren't created in the image of God. They were created for Pharaoh's pleasure. They weren't blessed to be a blessing. They were cursed to die in shame. That's the lie that Pharaoh wanted them to believe as he chased after them with his chariots. Pick up in verse 10, uh, chapter 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near the people of Israel, they lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them as they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better. Listen to this, listen to this. For it would have been better, says the people of Israel, for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This wasn't just fear. This was, uh, they feared greatly. This was terror. Those that spread terror in the ancient world as well as today, they, they do so by removing any sense of hope so that your only recourse will be to bow down to the source of terror itself. For me, the kind of joking but not joking, um, this would be like day five or six of a diet 
when, when I'm kind of, you know, I'm doing what I need to do and I'm feeling good and it would appear that like old habits are in the rear view mirror, but then I lift up my eyes and a Chipotle is on the horizon and I fear greatly. Fear makes us do all sorts of crazy things. Remember, like Yoda said, fear leads to anger. So, so what did Israel do when they became afraid? They turned their anger toward the person who had brought them there in the first place. They started screaming at Moses. What's the matter, Moses? Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to die? We, we told you this wouldn't work. We told you this was a bad idea. Let us go back to Egypt. It would be better to live as slaves than to die as freemen. See, freedom, it, it might sound like a universally accepted good, but the truth is that we so often turn back to what we know. Proverbs says, as a dog returns to vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. We stumble off the diet, we fall off the wagon, we go back to the person who had repeatedly hurt us. We forget how to communicate with others, we go back to the old habit, not just because of the allure of the thing itself, but because we return to the thing we know, rather than risk freedom of the unknown. Remember, <clears throat> you are an expert at lying to yourself. Nobody, that can lie, nobody can lie to you like you lied to you. You're great at it. See, we figure out ways to tell ourselves the most outrageous things just so that we can recover the familiar, even if the familiar is hurting us. It's a complicated thing, but I think that a fundamental reason why we return to the painful familiar is because we give it power to define us. You're nothing more than a slave. You're nothing more than an alcoholic. You're nothing more than a divorcee. You're nothing more, you're nothing more, you're nothing more. You see, what the Exodus story is all about, what the Good Friday story is all about, is reminding us that we are not defined by our past. We are defined by God's future. Because in that moment, when it seems all hope is lost, God can still do amazing things. For Moses, this man who had earlier complained that he was slow to speak, now speaks with this con confident pastoral leadership um, in words to his people. He says, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Open your eyes and watch what God is going to do for you in this moment. For the darkness of your past has no business defining you. Picking up in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? You know, as scholars debate if this verse is in the right place. But I, I think that maybe here that there's like an affirmation to it. Like, like Moses realized that those words that he just spoke, those powerful words, came from his own mouth. And he's like the child who starts crying out for his father the moment his bike stays up without the training wheels. 
And the dad says, don't cry, ride. You're doing great. And then it comes, right? God says, you're doing great. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Go forward into the Red Sea. Lift up your staff, God says. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea onto dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And then these people, the, the people of God, who moments before had seen no room for hope, watched Moses lift his arms and by God's power parted the sea for Israel to go through destruction and on through the other side. Moments before they had been defined by fear. And now the foundation, that foundation was radically disrupted as they saw God do a miracle in their midst. Still, Egypt advanced and followed them back into the sea. Israel made her way across dry land that night with Egypt at her back, freaking out fish along the way. And then they came to the other side. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea once again, and the waters returned to normal. And the waves crashed in on the Egyptians. And as the sun raised in the morning, Israel had a new identity. As we read in verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. I love, I love that detail at the end. The, the people didn't just believe in the Lord after all of that. They believed in their leader. They believed in the one God called Moses. On Sunday, we're going we're gonna to have a look at um, the song of salvation that Moses sings in response to this miracle. But, but, but for now, let's go back to that detail in verse 30 that says that Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Now, on one hand, they saw their taskmasters lying on the shore and as we'll see on Sunday, it was certainly a cause for celebration. Their captors will hold them captive no more. They were to taste freedom. But on the other hand, here was Israel that had a history that went back a lot further than Egypt. Their history told them that the reason for their very existence was that God intended to use them to bless the entire world, including the Egyptians. Israel was not blessed to the exclusion of others. They were blessed for the benefit of others. 
The forces of darkness in this world would challenge that mission with everything they have. But it will not stop the fundamental truth that being one of God's people means, God's people then and God's people today, being one of God's people means that your call, our call, is to bless others, even our enemies. As you know, Israel eventually does make it into the promised land and they lose their way. The kingdom divides and ultimately fails as it falls under the control of one superpower after another. Eventually, after a thousand years after the exodus, Israel finds itself once again under the occupation of a new superpower called Rome. Like Pharaoh, the leader of the Roman Empire fashioned himself a deity and used this divine power to keep a firm grip of control over Rome and the areas in which it occupied. In the face of the empire and the realities of God's people, once again forgetting who they were and who God was, God remembered his covenant with Israel. Biblically speaking, to remember means to bring something present and active. It's not about recalling something you forgot. It's about living in the moment based on something that had happened before. And, and God, the thing about God is that he keeps his promises. But he keeps them in no one's time but his own. Israel was God's rescue mission to save the world. And in the fullness of time, God himself put on flesh and took charge of the rescue mission by becoming Israel's representative Messiah. What does that mean? It means that effectively Jesus became Israel. God promised Abraham that through him he would bless the entire world. And Jesus is how God kept that promise. Jesus was Israel as Israel was meant to be. He was Moses and King David and all the prophets wrapped in one, all as they were meant to be. He stepped into Israel's story and used the ways in which he had already showed Israel redemption and salvation to do for the entire world what was done for Israel during the Exodus. Jesus, you see, became the Passover lamb. By his blood, the angel of death passed over God's people and allowed them to taste the inheritance of freedom in ways they had never done before. The cross, it is an ugly scandal, but it is how much God loves you. The empire of sin and death and evil were advancing as humanity felt quartered with nowhere to turn. But then God, with a mighty hand, got glory over all of that, that empire of sin, death, and evil, and that stood against him as he led his people through the Red Sea of death and out the other side to salvation. We must never forget the sacrifice it took to accomplish that end and provide for us our inheritance of freedom. But we also must never forget that the cross, it's not just an instrument of redemption. It is the shape of our mission. In John 15, Jesus said, this is just before he 
um, the, the crucifixion narrative. This is my commandment, says Jesus, that you love one another, not just love one another on your terms, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus had spent his earthly ministry teaching us to expand our definition of words like neighbor and friend. He taught us that the true chains of the world, the things that we were truly slaves to, were the things that kept us from loving God and loving others. On the cross, Jesus showed us the true nature of freedom. He showed us that the true nature of freedom, it's not doing what we want, it is living the eternal life now as God's son or daughter. With the cross as our model and our guide, we will embrace the freedom to proclaim the gospel of God's kingdom rule and reign on earth as in heaven. Through sacrificial love, we worship God. Through sacrificial love, we support each other. Through sacrificial love, we welcome the stranger. We welcome the other. Through sacrificial love, we serve our neighbor. And through sacrificial love, we'll advocate for justice and open our arms to those who, who once thought us enemies. Living out our inheritance of freedom means living a life of sacrificial love love. But right now, that begins with a yes or no. The question before us this evening, maybe for some of us the first time, maybe for some of us the thousandth time, who do you, not the people else in the room, but who do you say Jesus is? If you believe that Jesus was just this nice guy who said some nice things, then you haven't read the story. Here's the spoiler. Sacrificial love requires sacrifice. Pain, trials, suffering, they are all inevitable. But are you willing to turn to Jesus to surrender him your life? Are you willing to put down the chains that you've been dragging around and start living a life with Jesus Christ at the center? This virus pandemic, it's no reason to put that off for one moment longer. In fact, perhaps, perhaps the, the uniqueness of this particular Good Friday is the edge needed to say that this day, this Good Friday, this is different. This day is the one that you'll remember for the rest of your life is the day that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for your sins and mine meant something real. It's the day that he, he rescued you from slavery and gave you your inheritance of freedom.